Dan Snyder was never, ever, ever going to sell Washington's NFL franchise. Never. The Fenway Sports Group was committed to the Liverpool soccer team forever and ever and ever. Both are currently for sale. Everything's always for sale. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. And the latter happens to be owned by the Fenway Sports Group as of a year ago. And even that was seen as kind of, well, Mario Lemieux owns the team. He's never going to da 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 And I had spoken to someone associated with the Penguins very, very, very high up in the organization a week before the sale. And they told me the Penguins are not for sale. They're always hearing offers, da 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 all kinds of double talk. The Penguins are not for sale. A week later, they were actually sold. So what does it mean? And you knew this is where I was heading here. When Bob Nutting repeatedly says not only that the Pirates are for sale, but that he plans to keep them in the family the way he was brought into Pirates ownership. Ogden Nutting was the one that put up the first few million dollars back in the 90s. Eventually, Bob Nutting became the controlling owner over Kevin McClatchy by buying up all kinds of minority shares and then eventually buying out McClatchy's. But that was 2007 when Nutting took over as controlling owner. Now, it's obviously 15 years later. Out of those 15 years, I don't need to tell you there have only been four winning seasons, only three appearances in the playoffs, all of that occurring in a single cluster between 2013 and 16. And for the most part, all that's really happened to Nutting, well, two things. One, his name got dragged through the mud in a way that I don't know any other person in the Pittsburgh region can even compare. Like I, I don't know that there's anybody who's been more hated uh, in this city and across western Pennsylvania than this man. Whether you feel it's deserved it or not, I'm just getting into you know what what i perceive as being the truth in that regard and the other is that well he's potentially gotten himself a whole whole lot richer because if and when he ever does sell all you have to do is look around at these prices all you have to do is look around at recent sales of teams and see that when it comes to major league baseball even the teams that aren't necessarily the ones in the biggest markets and the sexiest settings and everything else, they're still topping a billion dollars. That's a billion with a B. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. What would it look like? What would it look like? Because someone would have to come to Nutting with a dollar figure that would completely floor him. One thing I'll never accept 
is that the team isn't for sale. Uh, and that's partly, but not entirely, because Mario and Ron Burkle once approached him and he met with them in secret until I found out about it and had a discussion. And it was about money. And he turned down the money, which was at the time $300 million a few years ago. Now, obviously, would have been a pretty nice deal for Ron and Mario, huh? So he was open to it. He wasn't slamming the door on it. He just didn't want anybody to know about it. No one anywhere would turn down at least listening to an offer on an infinitely microscopically smaller scale with our little business, with DK Pittsburgh Sports. I tell people all the time, it's not for sale. We're never going to sell it. It's our family thing. This is a legacy thing. We're not doing. But do you think really that if somebody came to me and said, hey, here's like Amazon in exchange, you know what I mean? What am I going to do? Go, no, you can't have it. It's just not how it works. It's not reality. So what would it look like? Someone or multiple someones in the Pittsburgh area would have to cobble together uh, a conglomerate, a group. Unless you have somebody who's just so independently wealthy and so very much wants to own a Major League Baseball franchise, they don't particularly care where they want one. It's got a nice ballpark that's got some history to it. You know, in a lot of ways, the Pirates are kind of nice for that sort of thing. You don't have to go spending $3 billion, $4 billion, or whatever it is that the uh, that the commanders are going to get in Washington, which I'm seeing some numbers approaching $7 billion. The NFL is a different beast, though. It would take either one phenomenally wealthy individual, and heaven knows we have those in this country, or it would take, and this is way more likely, a group of some sort. Ryan Reynolds, the actor, Canadian actor, made some noise in the past week about wanting to buy the NHL's Ottawa Senators. And he showed up at a Senators game uh, a couple nights ago in Ottawa and got himself a nice big round of applause from the fans whenever he was shown on the scoreboard. Do you think he's made $700 million, $800 million, which is what an NHL franchise generally costs? That's what the Penguins sold for? Or do you think he would just be one of those guys who would be able to go from rich guy to rich guy to rich guy and say, hey, I'm leading this group. Would you like to be part of it and be a part owner of an NHL franchise? And that's when they chip in X amount. And you can get rich people to do stuff like that. Rich people love having their playthings and having a luxury suite and uh you know, a special parking spot and being treated like a king when you go to a game, meeting all the players and all that other stuff. You can find enough people to be part of something like that. What would that take in Pittsburgh? Here again, we're talking about oof, a billion and a half dollars. You need to floor him. You need to move him from a position where he wouldn't sell where his default mode is that he doesn't want to sell, wants to someday pass it on to his daughters, da-da-da-da-da. You'd have to move him off of that. And at the same time, you don't want to lose your mind on it. You don't want to lose all of your wealth. The only reason you're even involved in a discussion like this. There are people in our city, in our region, who have a lot of money, 
there are expats who have a lot of money. But to organize them, to get them to work together, to do it in a way that doesn't make nutting in advance get defensive and put up barriers, you know? And on top of that, when you hear from at least one of those types of people, Mark Cuban, and he reiterated this just a couple of years ago, in saying that the franchise is flat out not for sale, I have no reason to even talk to them. I'm told that it's not for sale. Then you wonder if maybe that position from a few years ago involving Mario and Ron might have even hardened since then. When we come back, J1Q. from Tim Hammes who asks DK didn't the pirates rely on the shift before it got popular during the recent playoff run once they weren't innovative they became a mediocre team at best where's the innovation with this new baseball administration Tim I at the time and I, I know what you're talking about because I was there for the game in San Francisco where Lasting's Millage was shifted five miles over towards center field, even though the Giants had a dead pull hitter up, a guy with a career of doing nothing other than pulling the ball. And sure enough, he pulls the ball and it plops right to where a left fielder would be stationed a hundred times out of a hundred. If anything, that left fielder would be even more toward the line than where he was, and the Pirates lost the game on that play. And I wrote about this, obviously, that night, and I heard from Neil Huntington the next day trying to explain to me what it was that they were trying to do with this hitter and everything else. And and I heard him out. I understood there was a certain pitching approach that they were taking. That's one thing a lot of people don't realize that happens with shifting. Shifting couples with a pitching approach, meaning if you have all your fielders uh, set up for a guy to go oppo, then you're going to pitch him to go oppo. You're going to throw the ball outside to a right-handed hitter. The pitch wasn't executed, and therefore, the hitter was able to put the ball where he wanted. I understood that, and I appreciated the explanation. However, it was still really stupid, okay? There's just, you don't have to overthink this stuff. This dude's only ever hit the ball to one part of the park. Go stand there, okay? The Pirates tried to portray themselves as being more innovative than they were, is what I'm saying. They were not the first team to do the shift. They were not the first team in this era to do the shift. And they were not the first team to do things historically in the shift. You can go back and watch games from 1971, from 1960, and I have a lot of those, which is why I'm referencing them, meaning the full games of the Pirates World Series championships in those years. And you'll see shifts. Danny Murtaugh shifted. Chuck Tanner shifted. Chuck 
talked to me about that before his passing, about the shifting that he did. He just said, we didn't make a big deal out of it, and we didn't point to any analytics. We just said, hey, this guy hits the ball here all the time. Let's slide these people over. It's all shifting is. It's just now got a name and whatever else here. So let's not, first off, overstate how innovative the Pirates were. That said, where you've got me with that question that you you raised there at the end is why don't the Pirates become that team that tries hitting for contact? Because the launch angle thing isn't exactly working out for them. They don't hit anywhere near enough home runs for their home runs to matter. They've got some guys who look like they could be contact types. I keep citing Jiwan Bay, but there's more than him. And if you de-emphasized the launch angle and the home runs and just turned this into a team that could kind of, you know, Tony Gwynn, Rod Carew, Pete Rose its way into scoring runs, you'd be creating something that no one else has to face. So when the Pirates come to your stadium in 2023 or 2024, you'd be like, oh, man, these guys, we got to change up everything we're doing. Just a thought. And I'm with you. I don't get the sense that the Pirates do a whole lot of stuff where people from around baseball would go, whoa, that's pretty smart, the way they do with the Rays. And I understand also that the Rays win, and therefore everything that they do is magnified, whereas the reverse is true with the Pirates. But still, show us on occasion that you're smarter than everyone else, because this team has to be that. It absolutely has to be. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 